Amen. Father, we do thank you for your blood that was poured out for us. Lord, now as we open your word, would you help us to see you clearly and to respond rightly with our lives. We thank you as we've focused these months, Lord, this month on what it means to live generously. We pray that you would increasingly move us to a place that honors you with all that we are given back to to you. So Lord, we love you. We pray that now as we read your word and we consider your truths, might you help them to to enter into our lives and be lived out in the everyday. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, um, this service is going to get a better conclusion to the sermon than the first service because I completely lost my notes the first service. Like, I didn't know where they were. So we just kind of finished and wrapped up. I didn't know what I was doing. Praise the Lord for the Holy Spirit, right? So, um, anyway, so, anyway, maybe that wasn't as funny as I thought it was. So, uh, (laughs) Uh, it, it wasn't very funny in the first service when I was trying to figure out what to say. No, um, uh, but thanks for being here again today. And we have been on a five-week journey through Living Generously. We've been watching a video series. If you haven't been with us, we've kind of been following through a video series, watching a man's, really one man's journey with his family and those around him of, of moving from, from being a guy that was pretty selfish and annoyed with giving of his time, his talents, his treasures, to where we've seen him changing. And today we'll kind of see this last phase of his journey of facing and what God is doing in his life moving into the future. One of the things I've loved about it is it's pretty messy, and isn't that true for life? Life is pretty messy. And so one of the things we said starting out this series was, was whatever God says, are you willing to be obedient to whatever he says? So this morning, before we, we watch the video, I just have one question. If you could rate, scale 1 to 10, 1 being highly dissatisfied, 10 being highly satisfied, how would you rate your generosity? Just with yourself, maybe even if you're writing it down, like write it and cover, right? Like just, what, what is it? Where are you at personally? Now, if you said 10, whatever, Right? None of us are there. I don't think anyone will ever be like, man, I think I'm perfect. I give my time, my talents, my treasure. I'm good. Like, I wish everybody would watch me. I'm awesome, right? That's that kind of, I don't think anybody's there. But the reality is, is we are somewhere, every, every one of us. And where are you? And I hope, if anything, through this series, that God helps you move forward where he would have you to be. I hope you hear that. This series is not about anything other than each of us moving forward in our faith and forward in our faithfulness. So whether you're 7, 9, 12, 14, 28, 35, 42, are you with me here? 91, that's I think in this room. Wherever we are, God is asking us to be faithful and to respond in our lives in generosity. So let's watch this clip kind of conclude our journey with this family, and then we'll come back and get into God's Word. Well, it's seed time. What a great 
um, I hope, I know for me, what a great conclusion to series and seeing a guy transform, God transform a man's heart. And I think one of the greatest things is we don't know the end of the story, right? Because he says, God is going to begin to change some things around here. And I don't know exactly what that means. And all that we do know is when we come face to face with who we are and who we really are, which I think Frank did in the series, he's come to a place where, hey, I need to make some changes to become the man I desire to be. You know, the reality for all of us is, is we, we can define, we know it. Think about the godly person you know, someone that you admire and respect. One of the most defining attributes of that individual is going to be generosity, whether it was generosity in the time that they spent with you, generosity in the, 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 their treasures maybe that they gave to you, generosity in just how they live their life is a defining quality of the godly men and women that we've come up against in our life. But there's this tension, because I would guess that most of us in this room want to be generous. But then there's this tension on the other side of, man, I really like my money, and I really like to know that it's in my account, and I like to see that number increase, and this other side of my time and my talents. Like, this stuff is really important to me, and there's this tension between letting go and becoming what we want to be and remaining where we are. I remember personally in my life, Deb and I were first married, and we'd moved away and went to seminary, and we couldn't find jobs, and we were sitting in our apartment complex and seminary housing with cheap rent, and we'd worked through the summer. Deb was a waitress at Perkins, and she worked a job during the day. I was a cook at Perkins and worked a job during the day. I became a dishwasher by the end of the summer, more than a cook, just so you know how good of a cook I am. That's <laughs> how so that worked. They said, oh, we just don't have a lot of customers, so... Anyway, it still kind of hurts. And so um, it's a little painful. Uh, <clears throat> but um, we'd, we'd gone away to school and, and, and to seminary, and we were trying to get jobs. We both had degrees, and we couldn't, for some reason, get a degree. Couldn't get a, get a degree, get a job. And we were to a place where we were kind of working some, but the bills were too much, and we had less than $100 in our bank account, and we were on our knees in our living room praying. If anybody's ever been there. Just, where's it going to come? What are we going to do? And then I got hired. Debbie got a job. And we both kind of got jobs at the same time. But the problem was, is literally, it was like this two, three-week window where we had jobs. We hadn't got a paycheck yet. And it was that in-between struggle. And a guy walked up to us that we didn't know and handed us a check. And that check was like, it was a $500 check. I remember the numbers. And it, it might as well have been $5,000 to us because it, it got us to where we needed to be. And his generosity and that seed that he planted in our life and what it did, it's still sowing, it's, it, we're, we're reaping that in our life because it's something that we saw that we want to reciprocate. And I could tell you story after story, and I bet you could tell me story after story in your life of people, how they've loved you and cared for you and things they've done for you that you want to reciprocate in your life. Well, this principle of reaping and sowing is what we're going to talk about in the few minutes we have this morning. Read with me in Galatians 6, 7 through 10. It'll be on the screens. There's a Bible in the seat ahead of you if you don't have one. Galatians 6, 7 through 10 reads, Do not be deceived. 
God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good. Finishes good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. This principle of sowing and reaping, if you want to do a little more study on this, Galatians 5 kind of helps us understand that. In Galatians 5, there's the fruits of the flesh and the fruits of the spirit. When you sow to the fruits of the flesh, anger, wrath, malice, envy, rivalries, these things, we will reap from the flesh. If we sow to the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, we will reap the things of the spirit. And so these texts are really kind of close together and they connect This principle of sowing and reaping, we see it all the time. We know it in our lives, right? When we when we sow, like when sowing and reaping, right? This is the principle, and so so in our lives, we we know it. There's a choice maybe you made when you were 17, right? That in some ways you still pay the consequences for today, or to the positive. There's something that you did in your past to the good that is now you're reaping the benefits of that today. It's just this natural principle, right, of almost like cause and effect. If there's something that I do, and because of that, I will reap before that thing. We, we don't just see it. This is where counselors make all their money, right? Um, if, if there wasn't like this principle of sowing and reaping, we wouldn't need psychologists and counselors. And they especially make it here with our families. As a dad, this like really creeps me out because I just don't want to mess my kids up. That's my whole like, that might be a bad motive. I don't know anybody other parent feels that way. Like I just don't want them to go counseling and being like, my daddy wound did this to me. That's, that's where I'm at, right? I got, I got little girls, all girls. So, so there's this thing though, and you can't help it. No parent's perfect. No parent can perfectly raise their kids. And there, there are things that because of our kids growing up in our homes or because of the home we grew up in, our families, right, will have, will have, have done something in our life and we are going to receive, we are going to receive, reap, receive, what is that? Reap the positive or negative results of that. I hope, I know I did in my house growing up, my parents instilled some really good things in my life, and I get to reap the reward and the benefits of that in my life. But there were also some things growing up and things in my life and things that happened to me that my parents didn't even have control of that were harmful and still in some ways like caused pain and hurt in my life. We don't just see that in this. We see it with political leaders, right? We see that there are certain decisions that are made by governments that because the decision was made, right, we are going to reap, right, there's going to be something that happens as a result in our lives. So the principle of sowing and reaping, it's, it's kind of this naturally embedded thing that we all know. It's this universal principle that we understand. The Bible brings clarity to it, and the Bible is, is bringing clarity to if you walk with the Lord and you walk in the Spirit and you walk in obedience, you are going to reap the benefits of that, and you are going to sow seeds in this world of grace and love and forgiveness, and there will be a harvest, a reaping that is far beyond you in this world. So three things, and we're going to move through them pretty fast today. Um, three things that we can kind of, um, three principles of living generously to conclude our series. 
The first is sowing seed. We see Frank transformed from annoyed to joyful. He's moved from annoyed to joyful. At the beginning of the series, he was annoyed talking about money. And now he's excited talking about money to the place where he's not even watching the stock markets because he's so jacked about helping everybody out. That's the a, that's a biblical, he was jacked up about it, right? He was excited, right? He was so excited about doing this that he was going to give whatever he had. And so there's a simple kingdom economics, and this is how it works. What you sow, you will reap, right? What you sow, you will reap. And now, where, where we reap and where, we, where we, we see sowing seed happen best is we recognize this, that there has been a better offering than we could ever give, and the better offering is Jesus Christ. There is nothing that I will ever do that will even come close to comparison of, of the generosity that has been shown me through the person of Jesus. God sent his one and only son into this world to die on the cross for our sins, to redeem us and reconcile us back to God that we might be in right relationship with him. Now, church, I know you've heard this message before, but please don't ever get over it because it's the greatest message ever. The most generous the most generous thing that has ever been done for us is that our sins were paid for on the cross by Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Come on. All right. And so, so the greatest thing that's ever done, so now in response to this wonderful, best offering that has ever been given, my, my response is I'm going to give the best of my time. I'm going to give the first fruits, the best, of my, the best of my treasure, the recognition of ownership to him. I'm going to use my time, my, my talents, the best of my abilities, and simply myself for his purposes. And I'm going to sow seed. I'm going to reflect my desire to glorify God. I'm going to serve others. I'm going to see people. I'm not going to judge people. I'm going to see them, and I'm going to step in. I'm going to give, again, the best of my time to them. I'm going to invest my resources in eternal matters because that's what matters most. And I'm going to give all of myself because this is what the gospel demands of my life. I'll say it like this. Take up your cross, deny yourself, and come after me. See, this isn't a harsh statement of Jesus. This is just a natural byproduct of a life that has seen Jesus and what he's done and saying, yes, I'm coming after you. My life is no longer mine. I want you. I want, I want to honor you to the fullest of my ability. It's a commitment of sowing seed. <clears throat> Early in ministry, I was... I was kind of brought into a relationship with a young man. He was our pastor's son. And I began to get to know him over time. And the first time I met him, he had barbed wire cuts on his arm because he'd escaped out of a juvenile detention center. And he was addicted to cocaine. And he was for years. And these years, I would meet with him. And then he would kind of go do his thing. And I'd meet with him. And he'd go do his thing. And I was kind of this kind of side note in his life. There was many other people that were investing in his life. But over time being pastor of a large church, our pastor, it became hard to share this with the church and the congregation. And there began to be just kind of a small group of us that knew what was going on with his son, Jonathan. And so as we got to know, kind of involved in this, we'd pray. And Jonathan finally, about three or four years after I knew him, went to rehab. And he went to rehab and came out and we really thought, man, this is going to be good. He's going to be in a good place. And now, I don't know if you're a family that has gone through this, but I've been able to walk with a lot of families through addiction. And what it is is just this roller coaster. Have you been on that ride? And I went on that ride with that family. So he goes to rehab and he comes back and he reconnected with this girl that he knew that was going to our church. And 
um, through letters, and then they started dating, and quickly they got married, and quickly they got pregnant, and they had their first son. And everything was good, and he got to a place, he started a yard business, and it was good, and it was helpful, because he wasn't kind of going into the crowd where he would just go right back into the things he'd done before. But on his son's one-year birthday, I get a phone call, and he'd relapsed. He spent the whole night out. It was a mess. And so he came home, and his wife said, hey, like, if you don't change, we're done. Like, I'm not raising a kid around this. I'm not dealing with this. You got to get better. So he goes away to rehab, and there was an issue, though. She was in school. He had a yard business. He needed something to come back and provide, and in this small circle, I just kind of made this, like, typical, like, me decision of, I'll do it. I'll run your yard business for you while you're gone. And so I began to run a yard business. Um, I had, I have the ability, and I didn't have the time, but it was just something I felt like I don't know who else could do this. Now, don't think too much of me yet, because it was in the fall in Memphis. Now, one of the things that you have to know in the fall in Memphis is the grass just turns brown, because they have a lot worse grass than we do, right? It's, it's, um, anyway, Bermuda, not very great, really coarse grass. Anyway, you don't, you don't need to know that. But anyway, that's just part of it. And so I began to do this. And so for two months, we, me and his dad and, and sometimes myself, we would go mow the yards that he had to try to keep some finance and things coming, something that I wanted to do for Jonathan. And I felt like I was led to do, like I needed to do it. Well, I say all this because I was reminded of it this week because Jonathan is now four years sober um, he, that rehab, it helped, and he's doing really, really good, and he just shared his testimony at the church last week about how God has renewed and changed and transformed his life, but see, in that whole transformation, all that I would say is, see, for me, watching that video, and even telling you today, this isn't for accolade or anything like that, sowing seed is an incredible privilege, I mean, it was a privilege to be able to mow those yards. And, and I'm, I can't even over say, like, I, I played such a small part of his story. But it was such a privilege to play a small part of his story and to be able to give my time and my talents to the end of helping a young man get better who has a wonderful family, two kids, a booming yard business. No joke, I should have went into the yard business. Um, and... Uh, and, and doing so many things. But, but see, we don't live for today. But we live, we live today knowing there will be a great harvest tomorrow. And we do it because we love. We love the one who loved us and gave himself. The one who sowed the seed of, of forgiveness. And today, you and I get to reap the reward of what Jesus has done. The love that has been shown through the one who was tortured and crucified for me and you. The love that has been shown us that our sins are forgiven, and we get God no longer distance, now close. See, sowing seed for him and his great purposes, it is a privilege to be able to do these things for others. So sowing seed, first principle. Second, secret giver. And you're like, Ryan, you just like, let the cat out of the bag. Like You weren't a secret giver, let me tell you. Frank was transformed, again, from selfishness to generosity. Matthew 6, 3-4 says, But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. 
See, this is not about a source of attention. Generous living is godly living. Again, we said that this is one of the defining characteristics of the godly. It is humility and service and love and care and a recognition that all the resources I have are from him. And so... And so we live in humility. One of the, in financial generosity, one of our elders here, he um, talk, gives talks on, on, on generosity and helping people move toward that. And these were his four perspectives of why, um, of why people don't give generously. Um, and what he teaches on is first is a poor perspective. Um, poor perspective. Is everything I have mine and I need to figure out how to invest my things into God's kingdom or other way around? Everything is God's. And if everything is God's, then my question is, how do I just steward God's resources? It's mine versus God's. Second is debt. It sucks up our life. Um, Debt, see, we think about debt as just a money thing. It's not just a money thing. Debt does this other thing to our life is we have to work harder to try to get out of debt. So it takes more of our time away from us. And then in working harder to do that, we don't have as much time and we don't have as much energy to give to other things. And what debt can do is it can truly take our time, our treasures, and our talents to where they're barely used at all for God because we're always struggling with our debt. This is why the scriptures say that, that we will always in debt be a slave to our lender. See, debt is this thing that can hold us back from being generous, not just with our money, but with our life. And third would be lifestyle choices. Lifestyle choices in that I choose to live at a certain level, and by living at that certain level, I don't have the ability to give of my time, my treasures, and my talents, because I'm always busy keeping up with my toys, keeping up with my stuff, feeling like I got to use my toys because I bought my toys, and if I don't, then my wife's going to say, why'd you buy those toys? So I got to go find a place to do something with my toys. Are you with me? Anyone? Yeah. And then third is simply we've never been taught. We just don't know how. Maybe we've never observed it well. Maybe no one's ever modeled it well. Maybe we've never really pushed into it. What I would say is life is short and there's too much at stake to not figure this out, to not press in. See, the key, the key is is coming to a place of, of realizing I have not arrived here on my own, but God has done a deeper work in my heart, my response is giving all of myself to God. So, we give in secret, so the one do the glory receives it. But here this church, we don't just always completely do it in secret. Because see, I love to hear people, not in a bragging way, but in an open and honest way, within the faith, my brothers and sisters share with me stories of how God used them. Not you know, the day after they do it, but years, months after saying, hey, God gave us this opportunity, and this is what happened, and it was such a blessing. And you know what happens when I hear those stories? It encourages me to be that way. And so is it always wrong if I'm giving or my time, treasures, and talents in a way that I need to receive honor and glory? Absolutely, it is. But if I'm doing it in a way that is genuine and honest, It's good. And if I'm sharing it with others sometimes just to help encourage them, it's good too. Because there's nothing greater that we can be as a church than a group of people that are responding to the generosity that's been given to us. And then last, last, now is the time. See, Frank moves from passive to urgent giving. 
It says in 1 Corinthians 9, 25 through 26, Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as beating the air. See, the, this prayerful biblical truth, this spirit-led seed sowing will lead to living for eternal things, recognizing that I'm running a race that has a finish line, and that finish line is Jesus, and I want to do well when I see him, that he might say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I just went King James. Living for eternal things. Second, giving to eternal matters. So when I see him face to face, that I will have given all that I could and being used by God in inexpressible ways. Because see, Financial generosity, it's a good thing and it's a great thing. I'll be honest with you, I've never been a guy that can give excessively, although I will say I do, I give. I give as the Lord leads and obediently to the way the scriptures teach. But the people that have given me, given to me, their time, their talents, their life, their love, their care, it's one of the greatest blessings in life. So I believe when we get to heaven, maybe, maybe there'll be two questions asked to us. I think they'd be worthy of thinking about. The two questions are this. First, what have, what have we done with Jesus? Simply, what have we done with Jesus? Did we, did we accept Christ and say, Jesus, come in my life, forgive me of my sins. Thank you for forgiving of my sins. So here's the deal. I'm going to go do my thing and I'm going to live my life, and I'm going to have my way, but thanks, because I know one day I get to be with you forever. Or is our response simply, Jesus, I can't believe you did this for me. I, I don't want to dishonor you in this body of flesh any more than I already have. And so with every waking minute of my life, help me to give up all of myself for all of you in some way to reciprocate how you gave up all of yourself for all of me. See, when we get to heaven, I don't know if we'll be asked this, but what have we done with Jesus? Second is, what have we done with what God has given us? What have we done with what God has given us? John 15, 8 says, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Galatians 6, we read earlier, it says, God is not mocked. What we sow, we shall, re shall reap. Our sowing or lack of will bring either glory or will mock God. And see, I believe that in this room, I think all of us, wherever you rated yourself when we began and your, your place of generosity, I, I think all of us want to make forward movement. And I hope we increasingly, all of our lives, want to make forward movement and responding well and living well to the generosity that has been shown us. So today, I just simply ask, who are you going to be generous with? How are you going to be more generous? Write it down, act on it, move consistently and swiftly forward. See, see, growing in generosity in all the ways is like a muscle. The more you do it, the more it grows. It's, it's, it would be like the character muscle. And the more I express it, the more I give, the more I desire to, and the more I want to, and the more I see it's feasible and reasonable for my life to love others, to care for others, to walk alongside of others, to, to step inside of things that need my resources, my time, my talents, all that I am to help it move forward. And as we do that together, church, 
my hope and I believe what God wants for Stark County is that every man, woman, and child would have a daily encounter with Jesus. And I think as we live this way in generosity, they will. And so today, might God find us as his servants living lives of responsive generosity to the generous one. Let's pray together. Father, help us. Help us in the days and months and years ahead to live our lives responsively generous to you, that we might give of our time, we might give of our treasures, we might give of our talents, our giftings, our abilities, all that we are, that you might use them for you. So, Father, whatever it is that you're asking us to do in this room this morning, Lord, each individually, help us not to walk away noncommittal. Help us not to push our conviction down. But, Lord, help us to move forward with what you're saying. So, Lord, as we sing this song, Help us to commit, as we said when we started, Lord, whatever you say, we will do. Help us to respond well to that today. This I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand, we're going to sing. We're going to sing an old hymn about consecrating our heart fully, totally to God. And maybe, maybe even God would lead you to come and kneel at these altars in a special way today and lay down before him, commit to him in whatever way he leads. Let's sing together.